Hello everyone, this is Lee the Appraiser from The Amazing Appraising Show. We are back for a second half of our interview with artist Wayne Ensrod. We were previously talking about his career in education, his relationship with Oscar Kokoschka, and much more. So if you haven't already given a listen, I would suggest doing so. All right, let's just jump right back into the interview. Karishma, I believe you were asking Wayne a question. I'm curious, you achieved so many things, well, being the art director, animation, you were so successful. So what made you decide to go to like meeting Oscar and and then going to, you were in Switzerland and spent 25 years with him. Yeah, well, all of this behind. It's a simple simple answer. Everything Mm -hmm. I was doing was a collective effort mm-hmm. you know i mean when you're an art director you're dealing with a staff yes or you're dealing with photographers okay what would happen the producer would come to me at the pbs with a script mm-hmm. not for me to enjoy the script i just said okay then he'd bring the director right and he talked to me and said okay these are the areas that need animation yeah okay i mean i wasn't free you know i wasn't on the top of the pole i was down you know you got the, the producer, director, whoever, and then the artist down here, we come along to put the pieces together. But yeah. it's a collective thing. When you're a painter, it's just you and you. Oh, and that's it. I that's it. You yeah. And so I'd spent all these them. years being successful, as you say, but yeah. collectively. And the okay. more, because of right now, I had done a lot of, you want to call it art, done a lot of drawings and watercolors. And, and, and actually what I brought to PBS was something painterly. Although, remember, I'd never been really a painter. Mm-hmm. I'd never studied painting. Now, really? I studied only graphic design. Mm-hmm. I'd never had a painting class in my life. And so I went to this great man, you know. And mm-hmm. what happened was a, a trip to Europe just before that. I did a number of trips before I did what I'm talking about. And I, when I talked to Koshka, I said, when I went through, what, 14 countries all around. Yeah, you traveled a lot. What I did was go to museums. Okay. You see, and just look at art. And so I saw paintings, of course, in Munich. I saw Bruegel's, not two Bruegel's, but 20 Bruegel's. Mm-hmm. And so then these plinths, I saw all these paintings and I realized I would get, some of them would give me a, a shiver of really excitement. And what I couldn't figure out, I was talking to Kowalski, I said, well, but all these painters do different things. So what is it that is making my bell tingle, right? Yes, yes, I figured yes. he must have a secret, right? So I said, exactly. you got to tell me uh-huh. what it is that I can look at a Bonard and have that emotional response. And I could look at a Bruegel, mm-hmm. you know? And so he didn't have an answer for me, which I was sad about, right? Okay. I know there was something, if you know, the golden means, this goes back to the Renaissance, mm-hmm. where they figured out geometrically, okay, I'll make it simple. So we're working where the basic structure would be square, rectangle, triangle, circle. Mm-hmm. So if you look at a Madonna by Raphael, if you're going to pinch it in your head, right? Okay, so the Madonna's head at the peak, right? And if you watch it, you come down the drapery to the corners down below. you got a triangle, right? Mm-hmm. And then he has a horizontal in the back, which is bringing in the two rectangles. And then the child's head is a circle. You follow me? Yeah. So if you just took the Raphael that you're looking at, put tracing paper on it, you could do exactly what I did. Mm. So they did it the other way. They made the diagram, right? And then fit the object into that structure. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's not stiffly done like modern painters would do, right? But yeah. this was called a golden mean. So 
this was a basic of to make a good structure. You know, whatever you're doing, you'd fit it into one of those geometric form combinations, which uh, I find stifling. And I think it's why it didn't finally last. Uh, oh, you can still use it, of course. And so uh, Kokoschka painted very spontaneous. Mm -hmm. He didn't do sketches. He would just take the brush and dive in. And so that was part of what he taught me. And so he was primarily a painter of um, people, but you know, a lot of portraits, 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 portraits nothing yeah. in the nude department at all, really. And and the other way, places. So he painted all these famous cities in, in places, but in a way that nobody had done. So he was like an impressionist who was an expression. Yeah, it was very, um, paintings are very expressive and yours are too, and very colorful. And ah, well, color, yes. Yeah, I the color, the way you use the space in your paintings. You've been looking. Of course. I, I, <laughs> I, yes, I've been looking. Well, thank you, because, because yes, it's very impressive. people don't the really, color. people come in to my studio and uh, happily buy paintings, but uh -huh. nobody says anything. They just hand me a check. Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> I took a look at it and I couldn't stop looking. There are so many, so impressive and it's different. The way, like the space that you use in your paintings and it's always colorful. Very okay, colorful. You hit, you hit on two things, space and, and color. color. Okay. Yeah. okay. So what is, what is the motivation behind that? About 12 years ago, something like that, Lisa prepared a little folio for me, put it that way, as a surprise, just something she put together. It was really showing me doing landscapes, seascapes, cityscapes, figures, portraits, theology, religion. Uh, I think there were 16 different subjects. Yes. And so in this, she put together what she could find from some photos and pieces existing, like maybe six or eight pieces, you know, of landscape mm -hmm. alone. And then you turn the page and pages and you see six mm -hmm. cityscapes. So I looked at this and I said, my God, this is what I've been doing. So oh. I, because I was painting as Kokoschka, I painted for what I could see. Mm -hmm. I can't say imagination. There's a certain image making, that's what the word means, to make mm -hmm. image. Yeah. I was still working with the object, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, and I'll, I jumped. The Guggenheim Museum was originally titled the Museum of Non-Object Art. Okay. Instead okay. of saying abstract, which confuses mm -hmm. everybody. What do you mean? Like, say it's non-object. Okay, in my abstraction, if you call it that, it's a non-object painting. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with an object. And so that was a little difficult because after seeing what I had done, I took stock of myself that, well, in the area of realism, I won't surpass Vermeer, mm -hmm. you know, and then there are modern people now who um, do the photo kind of uh, realism, right? But yeah. with Vermeer, I'm a student of that past world, if you will. And then the next other area that came along was called surrealism. It's a funny word. It doesn't really very mean anything. Mm -hmm. might use the word fantasy. Fantasy. Right? Okay. Chagall would be fit into that realm. But then mm -hmm. it carried off to Ernst and many others who turned it into pure abstract, you know, but it's still called surreal. Dali is probably the most famous person in that. They're still working with a realism, but they call it surrealism, like a heightened realism. That's very interesting. And so I played with that, but I wasn't really fast because remember, their thing was structured on dreams. Freud had become very famous because Nobody had ever used this word, the unconscious, the subconscious. So now we're saying, okay, pay attention to your subconscious, right? So okay. we dream. Mm -hmm. And so the thing was, okay, as soon as you wake up, write out on a paper 
what your dream was. Oh, wow. So when you get up in the morning, totally, you're going to paint your dream. Okay, so it comes from within, like from yeah. outside, and that's what you put on paper. So it's more in the direction of feeling and emotions. Well, you know, dreams are disconnected, right? Yes. I mean, many things go on in the dream. Yes, exactly. Right? And so this, they added that into those paintings. Very but interesting. Yet you can't, the conscious mind in the morning is going to take over anyway. Yes, of course. <laughs> okay, so we're going to take a short break and we'll be right back. Did you know gold and silver prices are at an all-time high? If you have any gold, silver, or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin, mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, any Tiffany items, sterling flatware, Judaica, Oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sports and entertainment memorabilia, watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Brigitte, Omega, Breitling, Bulgari, just to name a few. APR 57 Gallery will buy them all at the highest cash prices in any condition, even broken. APR 57 Gallery also needs any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Bucciolati, Van Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world-famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City across from Carnegie Hall. They also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high cash offer at 212-246-2000. That's 212-246-2000 or toll-free 1-800-772-00 this is lee the appraiser back from a short break like somebody that i appreciate tremendously is uh marguerite mm -hmm. great belgian painter mm -hmm. you know, who is very subtle in that realm but when it gets really into nightmare time mm -hmm. and i think a lot of this was nightmare time i've never been drawn into the dark corners maybe when I get really old, like Goya, I can do that. But I don't think so, because Goya actually experienced these horrible violence and killings. And you actually saw people hanging in trees and being decapitated and so on. Now, I have not had anything like that. So it's hard for me to, yes, because to, to I express it with any kind of conviction to anybody. You know, yeah. I know things go on. But anyway, I've left that. There are plenty of painters painting the dark side. So... Let him go. I'm not saying anything about it. Let him do it. Yeah. But I'm not going to play my music. I'm I'm with Mozart, right? You know, yeah. I'm, I'm in the happy side of the thing. I'm I'm a lyricist. So then, okay, we go to the next step is constructivism. Mm -hmm. This is a person who's interested in structure. You can see it in a child when they draw, right? Yeah. Okay, so we call it architecture, if you will. Oh yes, of course, yeah. It, but the the head pin there is a guy named Mondrian. Mm -hmm. You know his work, right? All the little boxes and squares and all these colors. Uh -huh. Well, nobody, mm -hmm. he, he, he did the whole trick. I mean, there was nothing left except Ad Reinhardt finally came up with black on black and white on white. But looking at that, I thought I couldn't, people are doing this right now. Young people are doing these little squares and whatever, whatever, you know, like he, they've never seen Mondrian. Like he already wrote the whole book. So I thought, okay. me, there's nothing here for me to do. I can't do it okay. here. I can't do this. And so the final thing in these units that artists do is called expressionism. And oh. this is where it's a personality thing that's going on here. Just mm -hmm. not a technique. It's first of all, who you are. Mm -hmm. In other words, an architect is really interested in structure, detail, right? And a person gets into the dream thing, right? 
or really a photorealist type person. Okay, I'm all of those, really. And yet, when I hit Vaposhka, I, I mean, I found like a home for me. In other words, let's say I'm in the south of Spain, and it's August and really hot. So I paint a little postcard to send to you, and I paint a little village and whatever. And I paint the sky red. Ah, because it's hot. Oh, yes, hey, of course. You got it. And yeah. so that's what Van Gogh really kicked it off. Wonderful, yeah. Using colors to express the emotion that the artist is feeling, feeling, looking at if I was painting you, you know? In other words, you giving off vibrations, people never think about that, but color is vibration moving in space. Yeah. Scientifically proven now, in other words, you put the painting on the wall, the red, you can measure how far that will pour, you can't see it. Like when you go to the theater, it says, exit red, right? So red is like a bugle playing. Makes sense. Uh So it goes really travels a long way. But the dark browns and purples on boom, 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 you know, the bass sounds don't travel so far. But in any room where you're surrounded there in Lee's studio, right? You're you're living in a sea of color, Mm -hmm. which are actual pulsation vibrations in moving in space right to you and through you, just like sound. Mm-hmm. It's not sitting over on the wall. Yeah. It is, but it's radiating out. So the point is, it has an effect upon you. And I believe that that art, uh, particularly painting color, has a healing power. I'll get into that. But I'm happy to say, uh, Lisa discovered recently, uh, picked up something on the internet. And so Lamel uh, Quaz, uh, I think it's him. You know, he's a French neurosurgeon, and he's written this book on the power of art and color in healing and so it's in french right now so i don't know but he's i've been writing about this i think i sent one to read about the power of of art color and so on so i'm really an expressionist but it's all based on realism surrealism and constructivism so i have all those as my bottom to hold me up as a structure and then i can let fly on top of that. But mm-hmm. since I wasn't going to go in the areas that had already been conquered, the only thing left for me at that point, I wasn't going to do performance art and so on, right? But it was, I had never really done what we'll call abstract art. Mm-hmm. I'd seen it, obviously, Pollock and Deconing and Freelander and uh, Joan Mitchell, my hero. And uh, so I, so at that time, the Museum here of Modern Art uh, was having um, a show about three floors devoted only to what we call abstraction. So I went there, and of course, and so with each painter, there were maybe three pieces, right? But I would go through it, and I thought, there's a lot of crap here, you know? I'm not really thrilled, but there were a few, and Joan Mitchell was one that grabbed me. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I started researching her, and then exhibitions of hers came along, and I was devouring that, and I'm thrilled every time I see anything that she does. And so, okay, I said I got to go down this road, but I don't want to look like the Kuna. I don't want to be, you know, a clone. And somebody says, oh, yeah, that looks like so-and-so. Yes, and you so, want to have your own. You know, well, I didn't know. How, how do you create yourself to be original, you see? Yes. You know, because you do something anytime, and they say, oh, yeah, that kind of looks like Picasso, right? And okay, maybe yeah. it does. So what I did, not knowing how to do this, I went to my studio and I took a painting of mine and hung it upside down. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I did, I did a copy of my painting upside down. Mm-hmm. But when I'm looking at it upside down, you, you don't think of the shapes of boats or the horizon line. You, know, you just see clumps of shapes and colors, right? Yes. And so I kept doing that. And finally, I got looser with it and freer with it. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so it came finally 
that I didn't have to look at something, right? I could just go up to a blank canvas. Uh -huh. And then I became acutely conscious of what had been there all the time, but I didn't, I wasn't conscious of it. That's right. I, I'm not going to get religious here, you know, mm -hmm. try not to. But I realized that these images and these strokes and stuff came to me as impulse. I might like say a voice was talking to me. Yes. But I'm not sure. It seems like that. Mm -hmm. And so now I just set out the paints and put the canvas up there. And, um, and I just stand there for a moment. And this little voice, this impulse says red. And I just take a brush and it guides me. It's a very fast, like which brush? I don't ponder it. that brush, that red, because I have many reds. Mm -hmm. And I just go shrunk across the canvas, right? Mm -hmm. And then I walk back about 20 feet and look at it. And immediately it says blue. I go up, I do the blue, and I hit the canvas with blue. And yeah. this keeps on going, this little back and forth thing, as long as the intuition, which is the channel. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I, I don't want to use the word God or Muhammad or, you know, but yeah. there's a source. Uh -huh. There is a source. Yeah. Intuition, right? So I'm now realizing that I have been able to tune in to this, to that source, to this source yeah. through the intuition speaking to me, who's mm -hmm. really directing me. Mm -hmm. right? I'm not looking at objects anymore. That's different because you, you follow the object, right? Yes. The thing was confusing was, what are you going to paint when you don't even look at? Yeah. That's what I was fighting with, right? And mm -hmm. then this started happening to me. The training through Kokoshka is the colors, the bright colors. Yes. With him, I, I was always fascinated from the very beginning when I would see him, how fresh the canvases were, right? So I was asking him, like, what paint? you use. Mm -hmm. I guess there were secrets because he never told me. He said, oh, I use all kinds. Oh, and okay. put it down there. You knew there was no, not following it up. I was, you know, I, I praised him so much. I wasn't going to push him. Yes, yes, yes. You know, yes. to say, well, okay. Like, <laughs> and he, the, the, his touch with watercolor was like dancing, you know, over the surface. And I said, did you get special watercolor? You know, because I had all kinds. And he said, well, I use different kinds. But yeah. what, what I got was he was able to get all this intensity with this very thin wash-like, you know, almost like glazing, if you know that word, mm -hmm. painting over and over transparent. And so without putting Van Gogh really slapped the paint in, right? It's heavy and thick. Okay. But to do that with just a, a wash and have that zing still being there. So I hope that, you know, I picked on that touch finally. And uh, so it's like a pianist or you know, a violinist. Now it's the touch. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not just the object or the paint. Now it's your touch on that violin, any instrument. The same with that brush. You can be heavy-handed with it, or you can be delicate with it. And it gives you that range to go whack, bang, boom, you know, hit it like in music, or back off like a flute. And I love doing that. Now, as it progressed with me, and I kept that voice talking to me, I guess, mm -hmm. uh, I wanted to do what I had never... I thought something was missing in all those abstracts that I was watching, seeing, right? Mm -hmm. I said, there's still something missing, okay? Uh, I know the painting has an up and down, right? And the side, the side. And Prokoshka had always talked to me a lot about space. He said, we're, we're on a ball whirling in space. There is no horizon line. Oh, okay. We're just floating out here in space. Mm -hmm. So, you know, he said, so it's important that you create a painting that has space, distance, you know, really and so I decided I would like it to just float. And that's so what... Most of these abstracts I'll use that I'm doing on object is uh, where are those shapes that I have 
dancing around there. Yes, I They're saw it. Floating and floating out there, you know, with just space. So if you realize that and look at it, because you have to have the viewer become aware of how to look at it, because we look in space all day long. Mm -hmm. But no one's thinking about it. No, that's very true. Yes. It's just there, right? And, yes. Yeah. And so we look across to a building or and it's there, but we don't think of the distance of the space or that wait, everything is just loose and somehow by gravity, gravity was kept here in this earth. Yes, that's so right. That's so I true. thought, okay, I want to introduce uh, okay, what I found after I said they had companies up and down and back and forth and so on, and I said, but there's still something missing. We're going to take just a short break, and we'll be right back. Get a pen, everyone. Introducing the exciting SendTheFrame.com, a factory direct headquarters for your photo frames and personalized gifts. All delivered overnight. SendTheFrame.com is the authorized distributor of gift brands everyone wants, including Reed Parton, Nambe, Kate Spade, Dennis Daniels, Mariposa, and hundreds more. SendTheFrame beats any price so they can become your go-to choice without any worry. Frames for your graduations, birthdays, weddings, choose from from all materials of silver, crystal, fine woods, all at send -a frame with next day delivery and custom engraving. Listeners of this special appraisal show get an additional 20% off when they use code LEE. That's L-E-E, LEE. -E, the secret's out, everyone. Don't know what to give? Sendaframe.com for all your framing needs. This is Lee, the appraiser, back from a short break. I'm jumping back here a little bit, Lee, on a visit to Minnesota many years ago and Thanksgiving to visit my family. Turns out my father had to go in for a minor surgery and uh, for a colonoscopy, right? Mm -hmm. And so he was already in the hospital when I got there and they said, oh, he'd be at home in the morning. And so I went over early in the morning to the, the hospital and I went to his room and he was sweating and, you know, uncomfortable. And this was early. So I went to the nurse station. I said, well, somebody's got to look at him. She said, oh, his doctor won't be until about 11 o'clock. I said, you're coming with me right now. And I actually pretty much dragged her into that room. Well, Immediately, the whistles were blowing and things were happening. Oh. They took him away. And um, then the doctor did arrive. And I was with my mother and we were waiting. Remember, he was supposed to come home. Well, um, hours went. And this doctor came out. My And uh, he said, he lost him. And sorry. And so I can't. Oh. A major artery burst. And mm -hmm. so I, I followed it up, you know, clamped it and tried to. But it kept bursting until mm -hmm. it got to his heart. And there's nothing more we could do. But he was still alive. Mm -hmm. So then they brought him out and went into the room. But I held his hand and said, if you can hear me, you know, squeeze my hand. He would do that. But he never opened his eyes again. The doctor was amazed that he was still alive. Mm -hmm. And so he lasted really through that day. And then that was mm -hmm. so everything was arranged very quickly. And uh, obviously we went to the funeral. And so I remember a trip to Paris seeing uh, face man, a famous people like Voltaire one. And so I didn't know anything about that really, but I called a former teacher of mine who was in a place called Wyzetta Lee. Yes, I heard of that. And so the, he was there and I said, Paul Granlin, a marvelous, marvelous sculptor. I said, how do I do this? And he said, well, I wouldn't want to do it, but here's what you do. Get a bowl, go to the hardware and get a package of plaster, get a, uh, a wide rock yeah, and some Vaseline. I said, so what do I do now? Okay, sir, were you your father, right? Because he hadn't been embalmed. So when, when I went there in the morning, I had to wash up and do all the things you're supposed to do. I, I thought I'd, I'd never seen a dead person. I don't even like to pick up a dead mouse. You know, so this was like, yes, yes, yes. how am I going to do this? 
So I went to the local bar and restaurant that my father was friends with the owner and I'd known all my life. So I had two double scotch and said, okay, I'm ready. And yeah. so I went in there and what it was, I had to plug his nose, right? Mm-hmm. And then put the Vaseline on his face. Mm-hmm. I had to put it on very thin so that I wouldn't be casting the, the, the uh, Vaseline mm-hmm. with the plaster, right? And mm-hmm. so I had to do it like a, like a barber would, I guess. You'll put this all over very thin. And then uh, next, put, I took the bowl, I put the bowl, bowl put the uh, plaster of Paris in there, water, and he said, stir it so it gets thick and heavy. So I was doing that. I get it. Okay, not bad. He said, now you take that wide brush and you have to slap it onto your father's face to break any air bubbles that might happen. And I said, Dad, I never ever slapped you. I hope you know I'm not doing okay here. And I heard, I could hear his voice saying, just, just don't screw this up. So <laughs> putting that plaster on, you get about a half inch thick and it's warm to the touch. So you keep touching it until it's cool, maybe 20 minutes. And now the moment comes where you're going to lift that off and hope none of the plaster stuck the face right so it actually it came out fully clean and then i when i left there after the funeral i took the task to my friend paul grandman who very generously passed three copies in bronze mm. so lee next time i come down to see you i'll bring it to show you actually i thought there was a business could be done i mean who wants a photograph of a dead person right but you could have a face mask done and you can have it done in any you know plastic or this or that you know you want and it's exactly precise shows everything but i'm not a business guy to set that up the sooner part but i i have that and uh now what i'm getting at okay people have you know an up and down you're up and down but you have side to side you have a backside a third dimension but you never see it you never see your backside at the same time so you don't see the third dimension but picasso tried it in cuba no no as he was unflapping everything you saw me you look at me He'd bring a flap around at the bottom, another flap and another flap. Follow me, sort of? Mm-hmm. Okay, you're shaking your head. I get it. <laughs> okay. I'm I mean, he didn't solve it, but he was trying to get a third dimension yes. on a two-dimensional surface. Okay. And I said, okay, well, they guys did pretty good, so that's not for me to do. What's missing? And not only with my father, the thing was, as I was doing what I was doing, I thought, my father is not here. This is just a shell. Where'd my dad go? Mm-hmm. We want to call it spirit, soul. Because mm-hmm. the body was there. Mm-hmm what was missing yes you know and so i thought okay living creatures there you two are you pulsate but you can't see it your heart beating mm-hmm. your lungs are going but you don't see it physically right yes but you pulsate and said ah i have to make the darn thing pulsate then i've got some because they've done all the other and i'm doing it in a little different way so i'm not looking like any of them but yet if i could make this thing pulsate now, with what we're trying to do every time we do any kind of painting is take a dead canvas and give it some life. Whatever you're painting, right? You want it to have a vitality and a life. And people have done it in realism, trying to really recreate the person or whatever, you know. So that they feel make the believe like here it really is. Now, I'm trying to make it fly off that canvas, right? Into you, right? Tear into your emotions. Yes. You know, rip them open. I'm trying to create ecstasy for you. Yes. I want paradise. I want joy. I want bliss. But I mostly want ecstasy that you go, you swoon. Wow, that's that'd be the happy day when some lady looks at my painting. Paint. Uh, yes, <laughs> <laughs> I saw your paintings. It's very impressive. It's beautiful. I think people should really see your paintings. It's very wonderful. It's phenomenal. Yes, well, and you, you can feel it. The beautiful colors, so bright. 
So it does give you this beautiful, like this joyful feeling. It makes you feel wonderful. And it makes you think that what, what, what is it saying to you? So people should definitely look at your painting, Mr. Wayne. And okay. No, it's really and shrewd. And shrewd. And shrewd. Oh, and shrewd. And shrewd. Wayne and shrewd. Okay, people remember that. You've went through so much. You have, you have achieved so much. And you're definitely someone to look up to. When I read your biography, I was like, wow. So it's an honor to talk to you. And Wayne, it was not easy for me to find your biggest fan in the world here. I just want you to understand that, okay? <laughs> I found her on very short notice, your biggest <laughs> fan. It was not easy. Well, I, my, my response, what is your name, young lady? Karishma, Karishma Silvana Kanhai. I'm Indian, Japanese, Korean. Well, my wife is at your mother's Korean. Well, if I weren't married to Lisa, I'd like to take you to dinner. Oh, my, okay. <laughs> and do I a painting because you are... So you're extraordinarily beautiful. I mean, I also do representational work. Oh, okay. Yeah, I've, I've been doing uh, portraits recently of friends with other people because I, I broke my hip and my thigh bone. So I've been really not in, in my studio because I paint standing up. Oh, okay. And so I've been doing smaller pieces here. So people have sent me photos of dogs. Mm -hmm. One was a donkey, sheep, cat, bird. Mm -hmm. And so one that came the other day, a lady and a her husband, who owned, I think, six of my paintings, and I think three of Lisa's, asked me, and this lady is partially blind, so it's amazing okay. that she can see what's going on here. Yes. And, uh, but so I sent this photo, which shows the husband, the wife, and their daughter standing behind. So I just finished that yesterday. You know, these are, here it is. Oh, that's so beautiful. I wish, like, I wish everyone could see that. Yeah, yeah. Move it back just to drop. Move it back a drop. That's probably better. Yeah. Okay, cool. Wow, that's wonderful. I love the green hair and the blue green hair. It almost looks <laughs> like the, the ocean. Like <laughs> I love it. I love it. Wonderful. Yeah, well, I mean, I don't copy the photograph because the shirt was really a deep blue and black, but I realized if I had done that, it would take over the the whole surface you wouldn't look at them where oh this is a friend also oh. owns our painting you know people we've never met but he's a a, a famous film producer in, in uh, la okay he also has <laughs> he has an animal rescue place and this is his favorite doggy and just died oh so here's peewee oh look at the eyes we have a dog like that that's oh, our mascot you know really? that oh my god like a uh what's called a mexican chihuahua toy toy yeah. chihuahua oh. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah, we have one like that too. I mean, but, but the eyes are so beautiful. It looks like as if he's looking at you. You see, I don't do just non-object paintings, but what I've done with Lee so far is stayed pretty much in that realm, the non-object, because it's the newest work and the work that I have really given these last 10, 12 years to. And mm -hmm. still going because I don't repeat. If you ever look at my website, which shows tremendous number, I think there's 365 abstracts on this non-object. A lot of painters, you know, get a little formula, you know, and all they do is paint that formula. You know, they slight variation, but they don't move away from it very much. Mm -hmm. um, with dealers, sometimes I would have a problem because I refuse to be stuck like that. They yes. say, oh, this piece sells. Can you do more like that? So, well, no, because if I don't have a passion, I don't want to do it. Of course. I can I technically do it, yes. but I, it won't come from within. I, I can, you know, got to go with his voice, you know, yes. you're helping me out. And okay, but just so that, I mean, I can do 
look-alike pieces and, and so on. You know, the studio is full of constructions, all these pieces. The world that I, you mentioned that I've been through a lot. Yes. That I've, I've explored mm -hmm. really almost in order. In other words, I, I don't go back fully to the Renaissance, right? Mm -hmm. But I sort of pick up Courbet and then moving Corot, then comes Van Gogh, right? And with that comes the Impressionist. Monet is my favorite, but you have Manet and Pissarro, you know, and a whole group there. And then here comes Bokoska coming out of Van Gogh. And that realm is going on, but that gets crossed over by the French coming along. Well, Picasso wasn't French, but anyway, so you have the School of Paris, let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. So they broke in, right, and started to get all the notice. But in Europe, it was split because there was Eastern Europe where Kokoschka was, which had a certain audience, right? Paris group with their audience, right? They, and they never integrated very much. So the MoMA, I haven't been to the new one, but I don't think it's changed that much. It's essentially the school of Paris, right? So when they had it here on 53rd Street, they had one fairly small room for the expressionists. In other words, Kokoschka, you know, in Van Gogh, just one small room. Mm -hmm. The rest of, of the museum is more than School of Paris, right? Oh, wow. That's... Paris, but mm -hmm. there's very few from that Germanic world. They just had one little box room. Yeah. You know, and so they haven't put that much attention to that aspect, mm -hmm. you know, of painting. And now, because museums having exhibitions, well, not now. They can't have them, but yes, of course. Now, uh, <laughs> they would have traveling shows. You, you got to see pieces, but I mean, I've never seen a large Burgle show except you know, in Europe and on, on. So we don't get the experience, you know, of much of this opera. So I've just gone along because I had my Matisse and Picasso brain, you know, where Picasso, I never picked up much of anything except his energy. Mm -hmm. I'm not terribly interested in a lot of what he does, weeping women. And, you know, a lot of it's pretty angry. And, pretty angry. Uh, uh, you know, terrifying. And you're all about joy, so that's nice. Yeah, but Matisse came along with all those fulvous, so-called, you know, wild beast colors. Yeah. Although I think his his greatness lay also was in those paper cutouts. You know, he, he got ill, so he couldn't paint. He took to the scissor and did something like nobody's ever seen ever before. And that was a wonderful way to go out. What he was doing was sublime. Wow. To me. Yes. You look at the last couple years for Kosher. This is an angry man. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I mean Picasso, not just Picasso. But he was also upset because he had this prostate operation. Because he always had women around him, very sexual, right? Suddenly mm -hmm. he couldn't be a stallion anymore. Mm -hmm. And this was his manhood, if you will. Yeah, it's also like with from within that comes without, and that shows that's the art. Yeah, yeah. What yeah, the yeah. word I think you do is I use it. the whole thing is how does it make you feel? How does it make you feel? Yeah. It'd be like a meal, music, meeting a person, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, you meet some people like I met Lee shortly and I'm meeting you. Mm -hmm. And I can tell even through this machinery that you're empathetic, you're compassionate, you're loving. And I like all those qualities. I know I've been in rooms or meet certain people, you think we all have, yeah. and they exhaust you. Mm -hmm. Oh, oh, they, yeah. They just tire you. I'll met at least one person like that. Yeah, right. They exactly. just suck yeah. it out of you. Yes. You know, so, you cannot Hide so, energy, you just you feel it. Yeah, and what yeah. I always heard, I always heard that you know, I have friends of mine, I have this one particular guy, and I asked him, he never liked crowds, so I asked him why he didn't like the crowds. And he said, It's not the crowds, it's the people in the crowds. Oh, see, <laughs> <laughs> when you did your animation work, did any of your characters take off, or were did they just tell you what to do, sort of thing? Well, no, the only characters that I did was for that computer in mind of man. In fact, if you what is it? Lisa will send you a link because she did that months ago, showed it was there. I was, and it shows the little figure mm -hmm. that I created. 
Okay, yeah. go through the film, and you'll see um, see that. But but I've never been commercial in any way, Lee. I just move on. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't knock on doors or ring bells. If somebody calls me up and it's interesting, like, okay, this happened just two weeks ago. I don't know where. We got an email from a young fellow in uh, Verona, Italy, and he'd seen my painting. And so his family is in the risotto business, right? Like rice. But they take their funds and doing well, I guess. And they now have a vineyard. So they're producing wine. And this just now. And so they came to me and said, what I designed a label. And I said, fine. So we made the arrangements financially and so on. And what I do, if Lee asks me a question or do I follow what somebody does, he's met me once or he knows I don't follow anybody. Okay. <laughs> well, no, I just leave. That I Whatever. like. Because jobs like that, I leave. Whatever. I slap, I say, look, here's the brush. You can do it. Yeah. I don't want to do what you want to do. Yeah. You're hiring me for my imagination. Mm -hmm. So you got to let me loose. And mm -hmm. if you don't like it, you get rid of me. I like that. And I do a lot of commissions and other things like that too, stupidly something. But I'll just say, look, I'll do it. And you don't owe me anything. Mm -hmm. But here's the price if you want it when I'm done. If not, I've been free to paint what I want, and you're not obligated in any way to me. Then I'm free to go about it. But luckily, all these years, no one didn't take the job, you know, whatever I did. Yes, yes, no one yes. rejected it. So it's yes. worked out pretty well. And we set in 10 different designs, and they were so confused by the beauty, as they said, of all of them, that mm -hmm. they had a hard time with the family figuring out, you know, which one. Oh, that's wonderful. That's and, what yeah, that's And wonderful. so now they, uh, so we just did that. And the bottles on their way here, they labeled, they, the labeling was on um, last Friday. Yeah, these are the first wines mm -hmm. that they've ever done. So we bottled Tuesday and I labeled one on Friday. And now a case or two will be shipped or shipped. But you know, it's going to take forever on a boat. Oh, okay. yeah. I think we're going to have to wrap this up. Mm -hmm. Okay. Uh, Zoom just so much fun. Mm -hmm. It was a lot of fun. So, very um, insightful young lady. I thank you for really looking carefully and, and being aware and able to express it. I feel I have a, a little bit of a fan over there. Well, yes, of course. I'm a big fan of your work. A big fan. Absolutely. She's, yes. she's actually going to be the president of our new Aim and Thread fan club. Yes. Okay. So, I take um, it. Do we get t shirts? <laughs> We will try. Yes. Anyhow, so we'd like to thank our very special guest here, Mr. Wayne here, for his patience and his telling of his very interesting life story and what got him to paint the way he does and get into this career. We'd like to thank his lovely wife, Lisa, for stopping by and helping out as well. And my assistant here to give us a hand as well. So if anyone is interested in his work, uh, please contact us directly and we'll be happy to assist you and answer any questions you have. And of course, uh, as he said, he does commission work. So if you have a little doggy or something like that, you want to have a lifetime portrait of, please contact us. And uh, we're going to be having other artists that we represent on a regular basis. So please make sure that you tune in yeah. for our next show. They're pretty much going to be every Sunday at 8 o'clock on the world famous WOR 710 radio station. And until next time, we will talk to you shortly. Okay. So take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye-bye.
Did you know gold and silver prices are at an all-time high? If you have any gold, silver, or platinum coins, bullion, Franklin Mint items, diamonds, jewelry, art, antiques, paintings, French furniture, any Tiffany items, sterling flatware, Judaica, oriental rugs, older baseball cards, sport and entertainment memorabilia, watches, especially better watches such as Rolex, Patek, Philippe, Vacheron, Tiffany, IWC, Cartier, Breguet, Omega, Breitling, Bulgari, just to name a few. APR 57 Gallery will buy them all at the highest cash prices in any condition, even broken. APR 57 Gallery also needs any designer jewelry such as Cartier, Tiffany, Buccellati, Von Cleef, Harry Winston, and Bulgari. Now is the time to cash out at the world-famous APR 57 Gallery on 57th Street in New York City across from Carnegie Hall. They'll also come to your home and do certified insurance appraisals. So if you have anything of value, call them for a free appraisal and high cash offer at 212-246-2000. 212-246-2000 or toll-free 1-800-772-2000.